Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about soil testing. As always, though, if you've got any questions for us, you can certainly email us, radio at agphd.com, or you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Our phone lines will be open throughout the show today as we talk about soil testing. And I, I, I guess, let me just start you with this. I, I want you to think about how much money you invest infertility on your farm not just each year but in total over your farming career just think for a second about how many dollars you're investing now let me also say okay that's the commercial fertilizer side if you think about manure you might just say well i have all kinds of manure and i have to get rid of it anyway and and so i get the manure really for free because i have livestock that may be but we still want you to soil test there and we still want you to think about how many dollars you really have at stake in your whole business. Because just think this year with the way commodity prices are, think about if you were to get a really good yield on your farm, on every acre of your farm, now multiply that out times how many dollars these commodities are worth. And I mean, it very well could be millions, maybe even tens of millions of dollars. I don't know how many acres you farm. But where I'm going with this is one of the most important things for a crop is fertility. It's fertility. If you don't do the fertility side right, you're not going to maximize your income. You're not going to maximize your yields. And also, the long-term health of your soil could absolutely be impacted. Because think about it this way. The better job you do with your soil, with your soil fertility program, that means that you're going to raise not just higher yields, but you're also going to have healthier crops and more roots going down in that soil. And over the long term, you're going to build that soil better when you've done a better job with the fertility program. So because of that, where I'm going with this is when you think about, hey, I want to leave my ground in better shape for the next generation, or I just want to have overall better yields in the long term. Or I want to be able to sell my ground for more money in the future. This all enters into the whole thing. And here's the thing. We can look at nutrient removal charts all we want. And I get that. And we do that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that's not important. But the fact of the matter is, if we've got something out of balance in our soil, and all we do is put on grain removal for fertility, well, the imbalance stays. In other words, the problem stays. So it's going to be there until we do something to get it corrected. So the way that I look at this whole thing is we've got so many dollars at stake on the one side. We have so many dollars we need to invest on the other side in fertility somehow, some way, that the more data we have, the smarter we can become. So I got a few things just to start the show with here that I want you to be thinking about when it comes to soil testing. First of all, it's how often are you going to test? And for a lot of people, it's every two years or every four years. And I get that based on your crop rotation. But what I want you to think about is how much stuff is going to change over the course of four years if you are indeed waiting four years. Now, you can certainly do that. And I'm not saying don't. I'm simply saying just make sure if you're going to then test once every four years, you're getting really good tests 
complete tests. And by complete, I mean not just NP and K. You're getting soil pH, you're getting base saturation, you're getting cation exchange capacity, all the micronutrients, the secondary nutrient, sodium, salt levels, everything. If you do that, now you can really say, all right, I've, I can figure out here where my yield limiting factor is based on my crop and what's going on in my farm. The next thing is, how big should your grid or zone size be? If you're still doing composite sampling, where basically you've got, let's just say, for example, an 80-acre field, you walk around the field, you pull some soil cores, you throw them all together, and you send the sample in, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Because here's what's happening to you. You're fertilizing almost 100% of that field wrong. Roughly, and I mean, it all depends on how how far up and down your data is but roughly just think about it this way you're under fertilizing half the field and you're over fertilizing the other half and any imbalances that are out there in certain areas you're not going to detect those at all so if you're going to do a composite test um, I, I can't say it's a complete waste of money but I can say you're not really going to learn much what I'd rather do and let me preface this by saying you don't have to do you don't have to spend a zillion dollars. I'm not asking you to do that. But one time on your farm, okay, you're going to farm for whatever, 40, 50 years. One time is all I'm asking. Now, granted, I would do it more than that. But for you, at least, please, one time, do one acre grids. And if you say, oh, it's too much sampling and everything else, well, split it up. Okay, just do, do one or two or three fields this fall in one acre grids. Please do that for me. And... And then also in that same field, if you want, if you want to just do this as an experiment, because we have done this and it's super interesting, do one acre grids in a field, just pick a field, and then also set it up as five acre grids and do it that way. And then set it up as, oh, it's going to be a composite and I'm just going to walk around the field, pull a sample, mix it all together, and here we go. Okay, do that for comparison. When we did that the first time, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, we go, oh man. We're we're missing way too much. We're under-fertilizing here. We're over-fertilizing there. We're putting too much lime on here. Not enough lime over there. And it really opened our eyes to say, a Malik 3 test costs like $10 or $12. It's so little money. And if But if we don't spend that money, then we spend literally thousands of dollars on fertilizer wrong. So I, I just want you to think about all those things as we start the show today. And we'll talk a little more about our tips for soil testing. And we're going to bring a few experts and a couple of farmers on too to talk about their ideas and their thoughts on soil testing and what's working for them. Again, if you've got any questions for us, you can certainly send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about soil testing throughout our show today, and we'll get to the Ag PhD mailbag a little bit later as well. This is Ag PhD Radio. It takes balance to be successful in farming. Because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. 
When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zeopro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here live in the Morton studio today. We're talking about soil testing. If you've got any questions about that, just send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. Well, first on the show, we got our friend Rob Dedman. He is down in Arkansas and with the Extreme Ag Group. Rob, how are you today? Hi, Brian. How are you? Excellent. So I hear you are cutting some soybeans out right now today. How are things going down there? Oh, we're doing pretty good. You know, we don't. I think we like uh, we're under five hundred acres to be through with soybeans. We're cutting a few variety trials out today. Some of these plots, you know, that we have to do and getting them finished up here at the end. All right. So, what have you learned so far with your harvest? Is there anything that has stood out, good or bad, on your farm? Any management practice where you say, "Yep, I definitely want to do this again," or "No way are we doing that in the future"? Well, you know, without right now, it's kind of a a, a data gathering thing, and um, until I get it all done and get all of the data in the in, in the office there and look at it, you know, things that I do know. Is with the heat we had this year, we know the heat obviously took a toll on it. Even with the irrigation that we we've got, we're seeing you know losses to heat, and then we also we we had a, a rainy period as this crop started to mature, and, and these beans are suffering a lot of damage. So those are things that we've got to figure out: is how 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 can we to manage the damage that's in this crop and and and, and make it less? You know, there's been a lot of guys who have had had beans that have been turned down uh, it's just been it's been tough so what kind of damage specifically are you talking about with this late rain just um, a lot of pomopsis in the in the crop there's a lot of pomopsis there's a lot of um, a lot of beans that after they're, uh, they started getting ready they got rained on and then and started sprouting in the um, in, in the pods yeah and, and, you know, once that happens, you're, you've, you've got rotten things. Yep, yep. 
Is it a big percentage or is it still just a small percentage of these beans you have left? Uh, what would you say? I, you broke up. <laughs> yep, no problem. And, and and I appreciate the fact that you're out in the field right now, and so it, it's a little challenging always. But but the beans that are sprouting in the pod right now, you said you got about five or you're under 500 acres left. Are a lot of those having this issue, or is this still pretty isolated? You know, it's 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 widespread across the South. Louisiana just. They had a terrible time with it. Uh, they fought the rain a whole lot more than we did, and it stretches into to South Arkansas, and and then as you move into uh, Central Arkansas, it seems to be getting a little bit less. But there's been there's been guys that are that are getting a lot of loads rejected. I mean it it's been it's been really bad. Hmm. So yeah. it's 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 not something that's just area specific. It's not variety specific. It's it's been across all varieties, you know. You you want to you want to be able to say, hey, such and such variety was damaged more than than others, but um, it's it's not that way. I mean, it's same field, two or three varieties in the same field, and 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 they'll all have the same type of damage in them. Sure. Yeah. Well, hopefully you can get those pulled out and not have too many remaining issues. Hopefully things don't get worse by the time you get her done. Uh, so Rob, we're talking today about soil testing. Give us maybe a couple of quick things that you think about soil testing that maybe are different than what other people do or things you see other people doing that you would say, I wouldn't do it that way. And here's why. You know, so one thing that I hear people talk about is everybody's got their opinion on whether they want to to grid sample or whether they want to uh, run zones. Everybody's got an opinion on that. We're not, yep. you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into that debate. But um, I like to grid sample, and, and I like data. And and so, you know, I like to have smaller grids. I'm, I'm Every grid that I pull is on two acres or less. And and that's probably one thing that I see is, is people get caught up on five-acre grids, ten-acre grids. That's not a lot of data points in a 40-acre field. I, and, yep, I you agree. know, I, I want data points. That's in science. I mean, fertility science. And and that's one thing that I want us to have is data. And, and that's how we can make good decisions. So in terms of how often you're testing, is it every year, every two years, every four years on a lot of fields? What do you think is, I mean, what works for you? Yeah, so I like to do every other year. I like to take the farms and split them in half and, and do half the farm this year, half the farm next year. And and I think with the yields that we make today on these crops and across this country, you know, and I've looked at soil tests from way up north to way down south, and with the yields that these farmers are making today, I, I don't think we can really stretch it out there much longer. I think we start getting into too much, too many unknowns out there at yield thir- year three, and, you know, what do we really have available? What do we really have left in the soil as far as nutrients? And are we really putting back enough when we put back? You know, is this prescription that we're running, if we're if we're on this high, are those lows getting really low? You know, there's, so there's so many questions that year three we start getting to ask that I, that's why I'm just, I like every other year. So you mentioned prescription. With the farmers that you're working with down there, 
are you finding most people are doing prescription-based fertilizer? Are they varying the rates or are there still quite a few people just running, hey, we're going to do this blanket level across the whole field? You know, yes, yes, and yes. Uh, <laughs> I see a lot. I see a lot of guys who who are, are are interested in barrel break. But now, also, I tell guys that even if you don't want to barrel break fertilizer, let's still grid sample it so we can have good data on what's really out there in your field. Yeah. And 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 I I mean I I still write prescriptions and stuff for guys that are flat rate across that field with all the data points it, it allows us to make good decisions on what is the correct flat rate you know used to farmers would say well let's put out let's put out 300 pounds of 046 in today's market 300 pounds of an 0460 is very expensive we can't do that anymore we've got to be more precise with what we're putting out there and you know it's just um, it, it's good stewardship what else do you have for just general tips when it comes to soil testing for our farmers listening today? You know, just good quality samples. The the, the, the one thing that I can tell a guy is, is the quality of your the quality of the work you're doing starts when you take the sample. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the most important thing. Yep. So get a representative sample is your point. That's right, do you, and, then, and then do a good job. Do a good job looking at your data when you get it back. Do you like six-inch cores? Yeah, you know, I, I like to go six inches in the rice. I tend to look at about a four-inch core in the in the, in the heavy clay rice ground. Um, it, it, it's 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 that's still a good representative. You know, I don't tend to want to root quite as deep as as uh, other plants do. So. But, but most of the time, I'm looking at six-inch cores. Yeah. All right. Well, we've been talking with Rob Dedman. He's a consultant down in Arkansas. Rob, thanks a lot for the time today. We really appreciate you uh, calling in, even though you're busy down there on the farm and working on those soybeans. So thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. You bet. All right. We've got Dan calling in next from Kansas. Hey, Dan, what's going on today? Oh, it's hot and dry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's that way in a good portion of our country at the moment. So I hear you heard you had a comment yeah. about farms and fields. Yeah, I mean I listen to you guys quite a bit. You know, you know, hey, when we say, hey, that's that's a farm or that that's a neighbor's farm. We're not talking a field or an area in general. You know, that's not, that's the whole area. Then I hear you guys. Well, this farm, you know, it may be across the fence, and you know, why is that? Usually, we we say exactly what you, in fact, all the time, I would say, I do the exact same thing you are. I call a field a field, and a farm is all the ground that I may own or that my brother may own or whatever. Uh, so, like when we were just talking with Rob Dedman there, he works with yeah. different farmers, and so that, then I get it. It's one farm and, and, and not one field. But yeah. Now, I don't okay. know exactly why people say that sometimes, Dan. I've always kind of thought the same thing as you. Hey, thanks for calling in. We appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay. 
Veltima fungicide. No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. What if your herbicide was easy to mix and tough for weeds to resist? Anthem Flex Herbicide from FMC offers the most effective mode of action for spring and winter wheat, delivering long-lasting control of grasses and broadleaf weeds, including Italian ryegrass, rat-tail fescue, and downy brome, plus weeds typically resistant to glyphosate and Group 1 and Group 2 herbicides. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, live in the Morton studio. Today we're talking a little about soil testing. And next on the show, uh, we've got Colin Elgy. Uh, hopefully I'm saying your name right, Colin, uh, from up <laughs> in Ontario, Canada. Uh, uh, soil fertility specialist up there. Uh, so, yeah, yep. So, Colin, uh, soil testing up in your area in Canada, how many farmers are soil testing on a what, you, what we would call a pretty regular basis, every two or three years, something like that? Is it a high percentage? Is it a low percentage? It's it's definitely a lower percentage than I'd like to see. I, we've got, uh, you know, some very variable ground, variable climate, uh, different operations as far as livestock. Um, it's 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 definitely a tricky thing to uh, to get timed right and 
and get into every field, but it's, uh, it's, it's definitely lacking from where it should be. I like the words you used, what I would like to see. So tell us about <laughs> what you would like to see. How often would you recommend a farmer soil test in your geography? Every three to four years is ideal. So it really depends on your crop rotation, um, how your operation works. Um, obviously, if you've got livestock in the equation, then you've got to get manure out on the field. So it's important to uh, make sure that you've got it all worked into your, your whole field management plan, really. Talk to us a little bit more about that manure management plan in Canada, because I know what I have to do here in, in South Dakota in the United States, but what's it like up there? Is there a lot of paperwork if you have manure? Is, is there a certain limit to, okay, if I've got a livestock operation over a certain size, I have to fill out paperwork? How, how, how does that work with manure applications there? Uh, so in, in general, uh, there's a, what we call a, a nutrient management plan mm-hmm. um, that kind of regulates, uh, you know, after you get to a certain size, a certain number of uh, livestock, um, regulates uh, certain things like um, uh, how much you can apply with a given soil test or, uh, you know, there's, there's regulations as far as uh, in, in different watersheds if you're close to uh, uh, municipal well, for example, you can yep. only spread so close to that. Sure. Um, but in in general, it's uh, it's you know very uh, pretty accommodating to to most operations as far as uh, you know allowing them to uh, to get the manure put out on the field in order to keep the keep from overflowing or overfilling the storage. You brought up regulations, and one of the things that I've heard about here for the last couple of months is this talk that in Canada, farmers are now going to be, or could, be limited on how much nitrogen they can apply. Where is that at in the regulatory discussion? Is that is that imminent? Is it just all talk for right now? What's that look like? Well, that's it's really a hot topic right now, for sure. Um, so a little bit of a backstory. Uh, the government of Canada released a, a document in uh, in March of this year, um, looking at our uh, our total greenhouse gas emissions and climate change plan that uh, yep. the government's put forward as a priority. Um, I'm a, a member of uh, provincial government, so I you know I can't really speak to uh, a lot of stuff on the on the federal side, but. Uh, the important parts are that uh, what the what the document has stated and what their goal is is not a fertilizer reduction. So they're they're not uh, aiming to limit the amount of fertilizer that a farmer can apply to his field, mm-hmm. but more look at ways to enhance the efficiency and reduce the emissions or losses of that fertilizer. So with nitrogen especially, we know that nitrous oxide is a very important greenhouse gas. Yes. Um, it's uh, it's more more potent than carbon dioxide even, and so it's it's definitely uh, one of the most important to uh, to look at and look at things like nitrogen stabilizers, uh, better placement, better timing of our applications in order to uh, to work towards that goal of uh, greenhouse gas reduction. So with all that talk, is there now going to be an emphasis on trying to build soil organic matter in order to basically sequester that carbon in the ground? Or where do you think this thing is heading? I think that's a a very important point that uh, there's been a lot of work lately with uh, 
things like uh, regenerative ag, um, working towards uh, increasing your soil organic matter. Um, I'd say it's a, a pretty big emphasis across the, across the province um, of Ontario and, and as well as across the country. Soil health is becoming such an important factor that, uh, that we're realizing just how important that organic matter is. In, in some cases, in some soils in Ontario, we've got very low organic matter on some sandy soils. You know, we're down to 1% organic matter, or in some cases, even lower than that. And so we're realizing that in order to kind of enhance the, the sustainability or, uh, or, you know, utilize our fertilizer more efficiently, utilize our, our crops available water more efficiently, that, uh, that building that soil organic matter has just become so much more of a focus to, uh, to Ontario agriculture. When it comes to soil testing, what are the things that you see happening in Canada in terms of the average farmer doing his soil test? What are the things you see him or her doing that you say, boy, I'd really like to see them do something different? Is it a different test? Are they not running extensive enough tests? Are they not doing a small enough grid or zone? I mean, what are what are some of the things you'd like to see improve? So I think really identifying the variability that's in your farm and doing a better job at sampling according to that. So we, the, the soils vary drastically, you know, from one mile to the next. Um, we've got some flat clays that you look at and you wouldn't see an elevation difference at all. Um, you've got some rolling sands. Uh, you've got some, some very erodible uh, uh, loamy soils. Um, we've got kind of a mix of everything in Ontario and a lot of, a lot of the time we're looking at, uh, things like combine yield data and you can really pick out pockets of high and low yield. Yep. And yet it's, it's hard to, uh, to get my, I shouldn't say every grower, but, uh, a certain number of growers that, uh, that are, aren't using that data to their most benefit. So really being able to pick out a, uh, a high yielding and low yielding zone, even if it's, you know, uh, uh, 15 acres in each zone or 25 acres in each zone, but really doing a better job at identifying where we should be taking those samples is the biggest thing. Okay. So I'm sure you take a look at a lot of soil test results. What are the top one or two nutrients you see that maybe aren't as aren't talked about enough where you go, oh boy, I see this particular nutrient short almost all the time. Yeah. So it, it really varies depending where you're at. Well, sure. um, I'd say, yeah, I'd, I'd say one of the, the biggest thing is uh, in a, a relatively decent testing soil is uh, the micronutrients. So specifically zinc and manganese. Um, you know, if you've got a, a good testing phosphorus level, uh, good K level, um, really we're, we've spent a lot of time focusing on those, uh, but yes. the micronutrients we're finding that, uh, that just knowing how much we've got available to that plant can play a big factor into whether you do something like, uh, like applying a dry fertilizer to correct them or more than likely with a micronutrient using a foliar fertilizer or, uh, or something in the starter band. And so I think it's, uh, it's something that we, we try to get a focus on, but it often goes overlooked in, in place of the, the phosphorus and potassium. 
Well, that's not much different than here, Colin, because everybody <laughs> kind of focuses on N, P, and K, it feels like. And sometimes some of these micronutrients and even secondary nutrients like sulfur get neglected from time to time. Well, we've been talking with Colin Elgie. He's with the Ontario Ministry of Ag as a soil fertility specialist. Colin, thanks a lot for the time. This was great stuff. We appreciate it. Hey, appreciate the help. You bet. One of the things Colin mentioned was nitrous oxide. That is roughly 300 times more potent than carbon dioxide as a greenhouse gas. 300 times. So you can see why they want to try to reduce that. But here's one other thing you might not know. In sodic soils, where drainage is poor, it's 40 to 50 times more nitrous oxide released compared to a non-sodic soil. So this is part of why we talk so much about drainage and fixing those sodic areas, is to stop the nitrous oxide. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall in the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. If we only had 20 words to talk about AgBiome, we would say we are agricultural innovators focused on unlocking the power of the microbial world to deliver unique, effective crop protection solutions. If we only had five words, we'd say learn more at agbiome.com. Get maximum seed to soil contact and maximum germination with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Plus, with 10% off while supplies last, you can fully upgrade your planter for less. Just go to farmshopmfg.com. AgPHD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the AgPHD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the AgPHD Insider at agphdinsider.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. 
Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty. We're talking soil testing today on our show. We're live in the Morton studio, and, and next on we've got Kyle Long. He is with Kinsey Ag down in Missouri. Kyle, how are you today? I'm good. How about yourself? Excellent. Uh, so how's Neil been doing lately? Oh, he's been keeping busy. Just uh, It's about to start getting uh, into our busy time, so we've got to keep him out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, uh, for our listening audience, Neil Kinsey, we often have on the show, and uh, he's getting up there. He's in his 70s now, but man, he's got just tremendous energy, and I've never seen anyone so passionate and so excited to talk about soils all the time. Mm-hmm. So, Kyle, that is our topic today, is soils <laughs> and soil testing. Uh, so, just start us out a little bit. What, what do you normally encourage a farmer to do when it comes to sampling? Well... All fertility and all soil health is determined by soil sampling, and so everything stems from that sample that you take. And the most important thing that we try and stress when soil testing is consistency. If you don't maintain consistent depth and accuracy when you're pulling samples year after year, you're not going to get a true representation of your ground. Our fertilizer recommendations and just the data that comes with those uh, soil samples are only as good as the sample that you pull. If you pull too shallow or too deep, it's going to give you far different numbers, and that'll lead to either under-applying or even over-applying nutrients, which it's not really a big deal to under-apply sometimes, but application of fertilizers can be disastrous and harder to correct if you over-apply. So we got to be diligent about how we take our sample. What are the most common mis- What are the most common mistakes you see happening out there? Uh, mostly it's getting too far into the subsoil and then that is over inflating that exchange capacity most of the time. And that's whenever it leads you to over applying nutrients more than under applying most of the time, because if that TEC is inflated, then you're going to obviously have to apply more because that's a misrepresentation of that, that ground. Also, your micronutrients can be viably or way different oh, yeah. if you pull in that subsoil as well. So it's going to misrepresent what's out there. You know, it, it all stems from that consistency and that data. Our, we're looking at data, you know, that's, that's what we have to go on. And consistency is going to give you that data year after year. Now, when you say getting too far into the subsoil, the first thought that I had is we got a lot of people out there who only have two to four inches of subsoil, unfortunately. I have a little of that as well. You aren't talking about going super shallow and just testing there, are you? No, I'm just talking about we measure six and three quarter inches deep on till ground and four inches on uh, untilled ground or no-till ground. If you get much farther past that, then you're going to start getting variable readings. You know, it's just about making sure that you go down far enough to what is going to be an accurate representation of that sample. Now, a lot of people will say six inches. Why do you figure six and three quarters? Uh, You want to get a little bit into that anaerobic zone just to see what is in there. And it still has an effect is that those nutrients move down, but you don't want to go too far in there into that anaerobic zone because the nutrients that plant takes up is mostly coming out of well the top two inches but as that as deep as a fence post rots that aerobic zone is 
where all the microbiology lives and you want to get just a, a fraction of that anaerobic zone just to that's where the the layer is uh, where it starts turning to that anaerobic zone to where no air is getting in there anymore. One of the big things Neil Kinsey talks about is calcium and ma- or two of the big things. It's calcium and magnesium. Mm-hmm. And we run mm-hmm. into a lot of people that say, ah, I don't I don't care about that. I just care about NP and K. Just give me that. So can mm-hmm. you talk to us a little bit about the importance of understanding and knowing what you have in the soil in terms of calcium and magnesium? Yeah. Uh, so calcium magnesium is what creates this environment of this home for biology and for your plants, any organic material that's going to be in the soil. We're, we need proper air and water filtration. And so what we're going to try and do is use calcium that uh, flocculates the soil colloids together and allows for more pore space. Magnesium disperses, which allows to tighten up the soils. And so if you have a perfect balance of that, you have a perfect air to water ratio in the soil to where your plant roots uh, and your biology can actually get what they need. It creates a proper structure and a proper home for them. What else are farmers usually questioning you about when it comes to whether it's soil sampling or running the actual test? Uh, Basically, it's... uh, it varies on what uh what's on their brain that day. Sure, sure. Uh, mostly, it it comes down to calcium, magnesium because that is the, you know, that's the the key to the program and the key to what we teach. You know, is that calcium magnesium balance and soil balancing. You know, and how that affects uh you know plant life. That's that's the main questions that we get. But you know, it, it's understanding that that concept. Sure. So over the last two years, fertilizer prices have gone way, 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 way up. Because of that, has that changed some of the questions that have come in? Because I'm assuming you've got people saying, well, I got to figure out a way to cut my costs here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's been a topic of conversation uh, lately, you know, especially with phosphorus and, you know, all the, the DAP prices uh, are astronomical but you know there's other ways of looking around that uh getting around that you know we we have uh we just have to look at that that soil sample and decide and make a priority decision okay what's your limiting factor if you can only afford so much of this what what should you do first obviously mpk is very uh very high on that list but sometimes you can skate by and you know, getting that extra bit of calcium or sometimes magnesium, depending on if you're high or low, can actually give you the yield benefit without the uh, use of that phosphorus for that year. If, you know, while you're letting that, trying to let the prices even out. But there's a, you know, it, it all depends on the sample that you take. As, first and foremost. Yeah. As fertilizer prices have gone way up, are you finding more people are testing so they know what they have in their soil and they can more accurately cut or increase or whatever accordingly? Or are people going away from soil testing saying, no, nope, I'm, I'm just going to skip everything and try to cut my costs and not apply? Yeah, there's there's been a lot of uh, people trying to get away with 
not testing and uh but also the ones i think that it's uh, going to be much more of a benefit to actually go out there and test to know what you can do and know how you can apply effectively you know over this over the course of the season you know, if if you don't know what's out there you can't accurately you know fertilize accordingly and you might actually be overpaying or paying for something that you don't actually need to put out there so i think that sampling is going to be your best bet and then determining what your fertilization practice is going to be, whether or not you're in hard economic times or not. Yep. I agree a hundred percent. Having the data and having good data to work with, it just mm-hmm. makes all the difference. Well, we've been talking with mm-hmm. Kyle Long. He is with Kinsey Ag down in Missouri. Kyle, hope to see you again this winter when, uh, when Neil comes up, I assume you're probably coming along with him. Yep, I will. <laughs> all right. Sounds great. We're going to have more information about that uh, Neil Kinsey event here at the Morton Center on our farm. It'll be in late February, but the information will be on agphd.com. Kyle, great talking with you again today, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. All right. Thank you, Brian. You bet. Appreciate it. Yeah, I think what, what Kyle said toward the end there, just talking about the importance of having that data so you know what you can cut, and what you absolutely don't want to cut. My dad talked about that all the time. He's like, I don't have any problem cutting expenses, but just make sure we're not cutting stuff that's making us money. We'll talk just a little bit more about soil testing, and then I want to get into the Ag PhD mailbag as well, where we answer some of your questions you've sent in, radio at agphd.com. We'll get to that right after this. Early does it. Strong early season defenses against seedling insects and soil diseases are key to a successful season. The leader in Inferro Solutions, FMC, helps protect your fields from the start with a growing portfolio of Inferro innovations. You can't predict the future, but you can plant for it. Visit your FMC retailer or inferro.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get maximum spray drift control with Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Max Nozzles. The ideal nozzle for dicamba and 240 applications, providing up to 95% drift reduction. Ensure you get the best coverage on hard-to-hit targets. Learn more at Pentair.com Hypro. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. 
In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD-TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zeopro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty live in the Morton studio, just wrapping up on soil testing here, and then we get to the Ag PhD mailbag. A couple last things, and every time we talk about soil testing, hopefully I remember to mention this, make sure you're matching up your soil tests to yield. So what I always encourage people to do, I don't care how big your grid or zone is. So I don't care if it's a grid or zone. I don't care how what the size is. Always, please, always set a GPS point and go right drive, literally right to that spot and pull two or three soil cores on each side of the vehicle. So you've got in total eight to 12 cores. You put those together, that's your sample. And the reason why you want to do that based on a GPS point is now you've got yield from that same GPS point off your combine. So you match that yield to the soil test data. And when you do that across your whole farm, then you got lots of data points. For us, uh, we've been doing it for four years now, I think, on the farm. So each year we've done over 2,000 soil tests. (laughs) I I mean, you start looking at how much data we have. Oh, my goodness, it's helping us so much. The first year that we did this, we realized, oh, you know, we've been talking about potassium. We still don't have enough because all our high yields were coming from where we had more potassium. We also found that our phosphorus to zinc ratio in many fields just wasn't right. When we got that phosphorus to zinc ratio on a malic test anyway, about 7 to 1 or maybe 8 to 1, something like that, that's actually where we had the best yields. So we put on a little bit more zinc to get the, the ratios right. Or in some, in a couple of fields, we had to do a little more phosphorus. But my point is, you're going to hear people who call themselves experts on fertility all the time. And they're going to say, oh, do this or do that. Or you'll hear the fertilizer salesman say, oh, you got to have more of this or that. Let the data be your guide. When you have the soil test results and you match those to yield, oh, my goodness, it's so unbelievably helpful. So please do that. And then we get a lot of questions about this Malik 3 versus DTPA thing. I don't care what you do. But for us on our farm, we switched over to Malik because it cost half the money. And we got what we felt were much more accurate manganese readings if you're going to switch tests you're going to switch labs anything like that just understand that you're going to have to kind of relearn things a little bit but again it's no big deal especially if you're matching soil test data to yield you can see real fast oh at this level this really pays or oh i got too much of this or too little of that whatever you'll figure those things out and i want to say it again i ended the last segment with this my dad always used to say don't cut stuff that's making you money And I know fertilizer is expensive. Believe me, I do. I have to write the check here too. But if you don't put fertilizer on that you need, 
it's going to end up hurting your bottom line. So the whole question is, what can we cut and what can't we cut? And that's the reason why soil testing is so important. Oh, I, I will circle back to one thing that I said earlier as well. At least, please, one time in each field that you own, do one acre grids, or if you want to call it zones, I don't care, but very, very small. One acre, that's it. You get all that data off even one field. As soon as you do it one time, you're going to go, huh, um, I'm learning something here, and maybe I should do more of this. That's exactly what happened to us on our farm. I know we spend a lot of money on soil testing each year, but my goodness, we're, we're investing hundreds of thousands of dollars in fertilizer, and we have literally millions of dollars at stake in crop potential. I don't want to screw that up. I don't. And I'm a lot smarter when I have data. Okay, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, our first question comes in from Hugh, and this is the reason why I had to start the mailbag with this, is his first sentence. He goes, you guys seem to be very good at agronomy. <laughs> well, thank you, Hugh. Anyway, uh, he was commenting on a video we had about baling or leaving residue, and he says, anyway, I would like to see a video about from you guys about how many people could be fed worldwide by using organic or natural fertilizers alone. In other words, how many people would die if chemical fertilizers were outlawed? Take away urea, potassium chloride, DAP, etc. What would happen? This is not only a good question, it might be one of the most pressing questions facing us at the moment. Thanks. Your show is great. Uh, well, I appreciate that, Hugh. I, I a, a few years ago, I was visiting an organ, a, a person who raised, a big farmer who raised some organic and some non-organic in the state of Arizona. And he was raising a bunch of specialty crops. And I, I pulled out my notes so I had exactly what he told me. And I could say this to you. He said... My organic part of the farm, it costs me 50% more to raise the crop, and my yield is 10% to 20% less. So in other words, he had a lot more cost into the organic side on fewer bushels. So I, I, what would that be worldwide if that happened? I don't know, and somebody a lot smarter than me, I'm, I'm sure, is probably even working on that right now, Hugh. But if we find any information on that, we'll certainly send that out. But I agree, that is an important question. All right, the next one here from Michael. We were talking about Creeping Charlie as a weed of the week not that long ago, and he said, heck, you two can't agree with each other. How do you expect us to believe you? Michael, Darren and I are brothers, and growing up on the farm, we did disagree about a lot of things, and even today we disagree about a few. Most of the time, what you see on TV, we're just messing around. But if we ever do have some disagreement on anything, we always say, let's just settle it in the field. And I'm not talking about with a fist fight in the field. I'm talking about we try two different things and we see what works better and what makes more money. And this is one thing I often say to people. Quite frankly, I'd rather be wrong. You know why? Because if I'm right, if I, if I, well, let's put it this way. If whatever my idea was and I was continuing to do that and then I eventually find out, oh, Darren had a better idea and I found out I'm wrong, well, I want to know that because now I'm going to make more money on the farm. And that's the objective here. We're trying to get better. We're trying to get smarter all the time. So anyway, like with Creeping Charlie, it's a really tough weed. So 
for me, I'll often talk about just use a high rate of Freelex, the new 24D. I mean, some of the products used on the market like Tenacity or Drive or there are a bunch of other ones, it's just it's not that great on creeping Charlie in a lawn. Maybe out in a pasture we could use something else, but in a lawn situation, it's really tough. All right. Let's see. Next one here. This is from Mitch. And he is, uh, let's see, New South Wales in Australia. Anyway, he says, as you guys are finishing your season in the States, we down in the Southern Hemisphere are just starting. We're looking at planting our corn, but our weather forecast looks cold. We're in a heavy clay soil like 25 to 30 CEC, so we struggle to get back into the fields after rain, especially with our already saturated soils. Uh, thanks in advance for any advice you can give me and keep up the fantastic work educating us farmers around the world. Uh, Mitchell, I would say this. Um, if you're going to plant into pretty cold soils, because it looks like some of these nighttime temps, and I'm just converting here off the top of my head, 40, 45 degrees at night. Um, yeah, it's pretty cold, but it's not like super cold. We plant a lot of stuff into 35, 40, 45 degree temps with corn seed. But here are the things you need to know. Number one, you want to make sure you have a good cold germ test. It's not enough for the seed tag to tell you, oh, 95% of the plants germinate. I'm sure they do in a warm soil, but not in a cold soil. So make sure that you're getting a cold germination test run on anything you're going to plant into these soils. The next thing is what you're doing for seed treatment. And I don't know what even your options are down there, but I can just tell you like the stuff we have on our farm, we've got about, uh, I think it's 37 treatments on the seed, including some biologicals. So you want to make sure you have a fantastic package for fungicide and insecticide. But then if you've got any biologicals that you could source down there that will help that seed pop out of the ground, we do here and it's tremendous okay and then the other thing would be any varieties that let's say are are a little more tolerant to cold and have more better early vigor but yeah i'm not super scared by planting that early but i i into that kind of cold temp but i i gotta take these extra steps on our farm we will also put fungicide in furrow and we'll do some in additional insecticide in furrow. So, I mean, we're really pushing it. We're, you got to protect that plant because it's going to take some time for it to get up and looking real good. All right. And let's see. Then I'm just trying to see if I got anything where I got time. Um, nope, I don't. <laughs> too, many, too many long questions and lots of stuff to talk about agronomy-wise. So I apologize that, uh, for all the questions I am unable to get to today, but we will try to spend a little more, bit more time maybe tomorrow in our Ag PhD mailbag segment. Uh, thanks for any questions that did get sent in today, though. We really appreciate that, as always. We like hearing your questions, and we are here to help. Anything we can do, just send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Well, we hope you've enjoyed our show today. I want to thank you for listening. And uh, before we go, thanks to our production staff. I had our, uh, Alex running the controls today. Uh, thanks for all our, our guests that we had on. And again, thank you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.